0: You are listening to The Willpower Podcast. Welcome to the show. I'm Will Holdren, and I talk with some of the most influential CEOs, entrepreneurial leaders, and thought leaders to try and reveal the secrets that has led to their success. I believe that with the right knowledge and mindset, you can do anything you set your mind to. So if you want to learn how to change your life for the better, if you want to learn how millionaires actually became wealthy, or if you want to develop and start your own business from the ground up with the right knowledge to help you, then you are in the right place because this is the Willpower Podcast. I cannot wait to introduce you to today's guest, but first, if you have enjoyed an episode, then please, please open up Apple Podcasts and hit that subscribe button. And if you think we deserve it, scroll to the bottom, select write a review, and leave us a five-star rating with a review that states where you are from and one aspect of the show that you love. Once you do that, send me a screenshot and I will feature you on a future show and shout you out on my Instagram that has over 10,000 followers. Now let's get to the show with our newest guest. How's it going, everyone? My name is Will Holdren, and I am the host of the Willpower Podcast. Today, we have a very special guest, and his name is Gary Ashton. And Gary is the broker for the number one Remax team in the whole world, which is very impressive. And he actually has over 185 agents on his team. And they're out of Nashville. And they're actually the official Titans real estate team, which is quite the accomplishment. And it's pretty cool. So, Gary, thank you so much for joining me
1: today. Don't forget the Predators. The Predators. The (laughs) real estate team of the Predators, too.
0: And the Predators. There's the hockey team. The
1: NHL team, yeah. So, NFL and the NHL. Gotcha.
0: That's very impressive. (laughs) Not many people can say that. Um, So to start off, I kind of want to jump right into your childhood. So can you kind of talk about what your childhood was like and how it kind of turned you into into who you are today?
1: Childhood? Good grief. I can't remember that far back. Uh, So I grew up in Leeds, which is the north of England. Um, Typical lower, let's see, upper to middle class. No, no, lower to... So England's a very class-based system, so... My dad was working class, started making a little bit of money. So we went from working class to middle class, but lower middle class, I think is That's the way you describe it. Yeah. So um, did that. Grew up in a, just a typical um, comprehensive school system, but it was always playing music. I had to choose between playing soccer or music so i chose music i'm a drummer so that that will have some impact later on into why i'm in nashville but um yeah did that went to uh what did i do after that england you have to qualify to go th- through a levels through the education system to go to college so i went to newcastle polytechnic so you got again you got another level you got the universities or the polytechnic i went to the polytechnic because my grades weren't good enough for university. So went to the Polytechnic, did business studies and marketing, and um, was always playing music. And then I, after that, I started working in, this is back in 1986, 87, when nobody had any jobs. So I, I ended up, I was on the dole and worked at an advertising agency um, whilst i was still on the dole so for me it was i was working for them for free but it was a way of me getting some experience essentially working in the advertising industry because that's what i wanted to do i wanted to work in advertising so i did that and then i was still playing in the band the band that i was playing in got signed to a, uh, a management company so that led us to opening up for some big bands in the late 80s and then that band disbanded, so me and my dad ended up buying customer me and my dad had what you would call mom and pop motels in Leeds, but they were in a pretty they weren't in the best area of Leeds, so we ended up selling those. This is a really long story compressed into two seconds and then exactly. and then um, moved over to Florida did that for ten years Wow. Should I stop? Because you said childhood and I just realized it did childhood to uh, to adulthood in about 30 seconds.
0: No, that's good. I love it. It's definitely a very unique story. And I love how you said you were a drummer because I was actually in the band as well as a saxophone player. Obviously I, it wasn't as good as you because we didn't get signed anywhere and I was just in the high school band. But you know.
1: being no, that's not true because I'm in Nashville and there's so many people here who are way more talented than me. Um much better drummers, but um they didn't have the opportunity or the luck. I think it's usually because talent is no guarantee of success. So the fact that you went in a signed band doesn't mean anything really in terms of your talent. The the luck is what's... Yeah, very true. Very true.
0: And so in your story, you said that you and your dad started buying these mom and pop motels kind of things. Now, did you buy them over in England or were they in the
1: US? So we started off with one in England and then expanded that to... uh, to another one. So we had two, they were like on a corner, they were, and these were old homes, they were Victorian homes, essentially, so they were just, um, so Leeds was going through a bit of a growth spurt, so they had a lot of uh, construction going on, and a lot of the construction crews would come from different cities, in our case, they came from uh, Newcastle, which is about 90 miles away, an hour, hour and a half, maybe hour and a half. And so those guys would come down, work on the on the on the new um developments and then go back home for the weekend. So that's that was our clientele, essentially. Which was great because they were, we knew they were gonna be on a two or three year contract, so that so um those those businesses usually cash business, but we ended up um I said if we put all the money through, then it'll have a true reflection of the value of the business. So that instead of saying, you know, we do a hundred and fifty thousand a year, and then when you look at the books and it says seventy-five, and you say, Well, that's cost a lot of cash, I put we put everything through. So enabled us to sell those and then we ended up buying a motel in Clearwater Beach and did that for ten years. Gotcha.
0: Yeah, so this is pretty interesting to me because obviously you were, grew up kind of more of a musician than in the real estate industry. So, why, okay. did, you, why did you and your dad decide to go into real estate in the first place? Uh,
1: to buy the motel? Well, I think originally it's because my dad got made redundant and then decided he'd never wanted to be, have a boss again, if, unless it was him or the got public that. or your clients were your bosses, you know. Um, got so, that. yeah, so he ended up buying this motel we we would call it a hotel but it was really a bed and breakfast gotcha. uh, small hotel so like it had probably 12 rooms no no let's see four rooms would probably would take 12 people so there was more like it's more like i think you'd probably call it a hostel today and think you know thinking back because you'd have maybe four or five guys in one room gotcha. sharing a bathroom this is very English. It's not very American. Uh, sharing a bathroom and um yeah, so we did that, and that was doing well. So uh that's why we bought the building next door and converted that into a hostel hotel. Gotcha. And then he came over to Florida and bought something on Clearwater Beach. Clearwater correct? Beach, yeah. Gotcha. Which I I, I knew that I wanted something. The Brits would were in a tradition of coming across to America and doing. We call them a a Twin Centre holiday. because holiday means vacation in England. So, a Twin Centre holiday where you'd have a week in Orlando, Disney World and Universal Studios and all that good stuff. And then you'd have a week at the beach. So, it would either be um, on the what do think is it? The Gulf, Gulf Coast, which is Clearwater Beach, St. Petersburg, all those people, Sarasota, or on the other side, which was the Daytona Beach and things like that. So we, I preferred Clearwater Beach. Sand was nicer there. (laughs) Makes sense. Uh, Well, and also, you know, it was a, a, it's a straight shot on I-4. The drive time was only a couple of hours, two and a half hours. So that made it really easy to land in Orlando and then drive across to Clearwater Beach and then have your vacation in both, both, both areas. Okay. So you were doing some investing over on the British side of
0: things. You came over to Florida, bought one here. So how did you end up in Nashville?
1: Through the music. So I'm a drummer. So I was still playing. um, When I moved to America, I I was still playing drums because that's, you know, if people talk about what your passion is, that was always what my passion is, just playing drums. So I ended up meeting another guy from Liverpool, England, and then another guy from Bradford. So, pretty much all in the area where I'm from. And then that band, we just, we were called Two Brits and a Yank, because occasionally we'd have a an American bass player come and play with us. And we were just doing cover band stuff, but then recording the originals. And then my producer uh, from the band back in England, he liked it. And uh, so that gave us encouragement. And then I went to, um, Yeah, we went out to LA, met Alan DeGeneres' brother, Vance DeGeneres. He liked it. We did some recording with him. So there was all this little momentum um, growing. And then that band split. But I was also involved in the local music scene. There was a guy that was playing in a local coffee shop. And I thought it was amazing. So I don't normally go up and tell people how good they are. But this guy was... He was definitely a, a cut above everybody else that I'd ever seen in a coffee shop. So he was just doing acoustic James Taylor, James Taylor, Neil Young kind of um, sting, acoustic singer songwriter stuff. And then he was so good, I said you should meet my friend Patrick, who was the bass player from the other band. And pa- Patrick was a bit of a jazzer, like a really really good. Uh, musician, all around musician, so we ended up recording an album with him. The guy was called Dave Hardin, and then that one got more interest than the other band that I was in, and uh, so we ended up coming up to Nashville because Phil Palmer was my producer, he was in, he was he was recording in Nashville, I think, and another guy, somebody else, heard the CD that we were on. Um, Rob Reynolds, he was a bass player with the Mavericks band in the 90s. And so both kind of said, come up to Nashville. So went up to Nashville, and I liked it. I'd been there one time before. forgotten why I was there before, but I ended up um, going with Dave, and we had met with Phil, who came in from England, and we, then I ended up meeting the, the uh, CEO of Warner Brothers, Bob Sapariti. And he said, these are great songs, this music is awesome, but you're never gonna make it because it's not commercially enough for country music. And so the idea was then was that Dave was the singer, he was the songwriter, if he moved up, then he would be able to write with other other musicians and maybe add some authenticity or credibility to some of the country, like a, a poppy country writer, meeting somebody with a little bit more depth and so that was Bob's idea. And um, quiet, got my dogs playing in the back there. Um, okay. So that was the idea for Dave to move up, and we'd sold the hotels, the hotel in Clearwater Beach. So then to do to reinvest the profit from that, you have to 1031 exchange, so you don't pay tax on it. So that means you have to acquire other other properties. So I thought if I'm coming up to Nashville and we've got to Buy some other properties. I should get my real estate license, and um, I can do both. I can do music and a little bit of real estate, and then that's when I realized I'm not that good. Because when I came to Nashville, that's when I realized, you know, I'm I'm not a bad drummer. But when you when you come to Nashville, it's a really 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 high standard of, and there would be, you know, eighteen year old kids who are way better than me who would play for. Way less a night, so I realized I wasn't going to make it as a musician in Nashville. Gotcha.
0: No, yeah, I definitely heard it's very competitive, and obviously, it is like the top.
1: Yeah, show when you're a musician, I mean, it's like the NFL. If you, you play high school football, and you're pretty good, and if you're really good, then you go to college, right? If you right. do really good at college, then you might get into the NFL. But so, if you get into the NFL, do you like the cream of the crop, and that's how Nashville is. You can come here and you can. Play and you can be really really good but to actually get to the level where you're playing and touring for a living uh, you still need that element of luck but those those guys are all the best of the best kind of thing
0: for sure but at the same time you also had a lot of higher up people that were saying like how good your guys at music is which so that's pretty cool so i mean that should count for something you know <laughs> um, so kind of looking back on your story like do you ever regret like giving up on the whole music thing
1: or no no Gotcha. No, because I think you have to have a self-realization. Music is the people of successful music are the biggest success is the songwriter and the actual artist. So as a drummer, you're just a you're part of the you're a supporting cast. And I don't know if you if do you have any bands, actual bands that you like? Can you name a band and I'll tell you if I know the drummer. Oh god. <laughs>
0: I'm not sure to be honest. With I know, right, like, so with a, with a band,
1: you usually yeah. know the front, whoever's singing, male or female, you probably know his yeah. or her name, right?
0: Yeah, correct. The song, yeah, the lyricist.
1: Person. Uh, but whoever's so that's the focal point. So then the whoever's in the band who's playing drums and guitar, unless they become, a, unless they're a real personality and they like, so the Foo Fighters. Do you know those guys?
0: Uh Yes, I have. A, there's like the 1980s stuff, right? Correct. Foo Fighters. Uh,
1: yeah, more 90s. So they started off with Nirvana. It's a drummer from Nirvana. Then Dave Grohl started his own band. So he's a big personality. He was a drummer in Nirvana, but then he started the Foo Fighters. So now he's the front man for the Foo Fighters. And I would say he's the main songwriter. He um, has another there's a drummer in the band now and uh, Taylor Hawkins. So people know him. Because he's a big personality, but generally, most people know the singer of the band. And that's it. They don't really know who the drummer is. So the drummer can be like a revolving cast, you know, like Zach Brown Band. You know Zac Brown Band?
0: Yeah, that's a great band. Okay,
1: so I couldn't tell you who the drummer is. If the drummer changed tomorrow, you and I wouldn't know, but we'd still know Zac Brown. That's the guy, you know. Correct. Yeah, he's so, like everything. Yeah, so do I regret it? No, because I wasn't the songwriter and I wasn't a big personality in the band. You know, I was just a drummer. And I was lucky enough to be surrounded by some good musicians, like as in singer songwriters, but I wasn't the singer songwriter. So I knew that I wasn't going to make any money from that. And that's generally where the money is made in the songwriting and the actual artist.
0: No, yeah, it definitely makes sense. And this is a little off topic, but I'm just curious. From your time in Nashville, who was the coolest person in your opinion that you got the chance to meet in Nashville?
1: Coolest person? Yep, in your opinion. I don't think I've got anybody that really stands out, but I did meet a lot of interesting people. Um, I did meet the co-founder of Wendy's Hamburgers. Oh, that's Uh,
0: impressive. That's cool. Yeah, so his
1: son is called Mike Music. M-U-S-I... Is it Mike? CK, that's it. It was a slightly different, not not music, the normal spelling. Had K on the end. So, so Ron, his dad, was was uh, the co-founder of Wendy's with um, Dave Thomas. So I got to meet him. So that was pretty cool to hear the story of how Wendy's hamburgers grew. Okay. Um, uh, awesome. I met a, a big-time record producer. Let's see. i forgot forgotten his name, but he did... Um, Nick rasko that's it. So he was, did uh, the last uh, Rush album, I don't know if you know them. So he's a big rock producer. And he was actually partners with Dave Grohl, the guy I was talking about from um, Nirvana. Okay. Fighters. Fighters. They had a studio together in, in California. And then he sold that and then moved to Nashville, which is why I got to meet him, because he... Um, he was looking for property, so I got to meet him online, and then I met a bunch of the Titans players, the hockey players are all uh, super cool. Um, and then you met, I know, just people you meet in everyday life. Some people are awesome.
0: Did you get to meet like uh Ryan Tannehill and like Derrick Henry? Then,
1: uh, yeah, I've not met Ryan Tannehill in a social setting. Um, yeah, you know derrick henry we know him he wasn't a client but yeah i met him when he first came as a um draft pick
0: that's awesome that's yeah. super cool he's like yeah. the best running back in the league so that's awesome yeah. very cool um so kind of jumping back into your story so you transitioned into real estate at this point after you started to stop with your music career so kind of like for an overlooking perspective like if you're an entrepreneur like how do you know in your opinion, when it is time to pivot into like a new industry, kind of like what you did, like how do you know when it's time to give up on one thing, and kind of transition into something else? Well, how do people struggle with that decision-making process. Well,
1: for me, the decision was kind of made for me because I wasn't good enough. I knew I wasn't good enough to do session work, so that, that was my plan. There's two types of drumming in music business: you can go on on the road and play live, or you can try and do session work so session work is where you come into the studio and you're just playing for different people and they give you the music to play to and I thought I was going to try and do that but that's when I realized I I can't read very well and I'm not as good as all these other people so I'm not going to not going to be a session player then and then maybe I could go out on the road but maybe I wasn't good enough for that either so it's just a realization that some point your own limitations are what are going to make you choose the other route, and then all these other opportunities were coming because I like advertising, I like marketing. With the hotel in back in Florida, you know, I was so that was 1990 to 2000. So in the middle of that is when the internet came along. So I liked that. I liked this this whole idea of of advertising in a different form, different medium, and. uh I got to work on our website so I didn't build the website but the website was built for us but I realized I could go in and maybe manipulate the the HTML and so I got to learn more than the average person about how to create pages and links and that led me to learning about the I don't know if I learned about it but I've kind of figured out that there's a you, you want to make sure that the the user experience is good, so making sure that everything flows, everything's logical. If you click here and then click here and click here, like I wanted the rate card so you can see how much the homes were, and then the description of the room, I wanted that to link to an actual floor plan and I wanted to, people to be able to click on the view from the window to see what the view is going to be like, you know, I have a picture and just give more information if people are looking for it. So. So when I did that, so when I came to Nashville, I was going to do the music and I knew I was going to do real estate because you have the 1031 exchange having to look for um, investment properties. And then I knew that I wanted a, a website. So that was a logical progression. So then I knew that I wanted to be able to create more pages. And then I went from, quickly went from a a template site to a custom site where I could actually sit down with the the developer and the designers and say, like map it out with them and say, I want this, I want this, and I want it to be able to do this and that. And, and then I, uh, you know, had an interest in advertising and marketing. So then Google came along and then Google pay-per-click, you know, that's right. PPC. That's yeah, right. So, so finding out about that was pretty cool. And the, the whole process of, um, like the daily auction, bidding to get to number one, you know, figuring that out and uh, and realizing that that was probably the biggest source of business because you can have, have the best website in the world, but if nobody ever sees it, then it's pointless, right? So um, it's kind of like being a songwriter and you have an amazing song, but you never get it onto Spotify or the radio or TV. Nobody, nobody ever hears it because you're just in your bedroom. So um, I, uh, I liked all that kind of stuff and figuring out what's the best way for people to see this cool website that I built, um, which was then was PPC. And then we got into SEO, search and optimization. So making sure that when you Google Nashville real estate, my site was going to be one of the, the ones that pops up. That's awesome.
0: Yeah, it really seems like you were ahead of the curve. You know, like taking advantage, like the internet and like all the things that came with it that were kind of like the the PPC you were talking about, and obviously that helped. I always
1: say it's luck, vision, and money. So I think I was lucky to be around at that time when the internet and real estate, because the internet had been around for a while, but was it? It was starting to find its mass adoption, so that everybody now was starting to have access to it. In terms of laptops and computers and things, and then, um, like if I ask you a question right now and say, "I don't know what's the capital of Borneo all right so maybe you don't know, but the first thing you would do now, what would you do? I'd just say, "Hey, Siri, what's the capital of Borneo? right well so, and so in the past, people weren't doing that, so um see i would do I would just google it I wouldn't think of using Siri so it's, it's as people adopt and, and be, begin to use new technology, it takes a while. So when you're looking for a home, a lot of people would still go into the magazines. Traditionally, they would go pick up a magazine from a from a 7-Eleven and they would look for homes through there. And then there would be a Home's Magazine. There'd be a, another Nashville Home's Magazine, things like that. So you would pick up two or three magazines and look through them. And that's how we were generating the business, and that's how the the public was was uh, doing it. So then, after a while, the public realized, well, I don't need three magazines; I can just go look online. And then you were there, then I was there, yeah. And then Zillow came along, and they kind of stole some of my thunder a little bit. So, uh, they're <laughs> gone now, though. And, well, I mean, still, there's, we're still we still work with Zillow. Still, Zillow is still a lead source, lead generator for us because at the end of the day where do you live
0: i'm in northeastern pennsylvania
1: okay so if you were thinking about moving to nashville this is interesting if you said if i if i said hey i want you to come and run the marketing division of my real estate company but you need to move to nashville what would be your next step let's say i'm not a real estate company because that would be too obvious let's say i was a just a a podcast marketing company and then like wanting to come over and handle all the marketing for the new podcast and find people to talk and things like that. But you're going to have to move to Nashville. So starting on uh, January the 1st, I want you in Nashville. So then at that point you're probably thinking, well, I got to find somewhere to live and uh, assuming that you were going to buy rather than rent, what would you do?
0: I would search homes for sale in Nashville.
1: Okay. And on Google, Google, yeah on Google yeah so that's where we come in this, and then hopefully we're ranked high enough but if you saw the name Zillow you would probably click on that or realtor.com before you saw my website because okay. I'm sure that more people know about uh, Zillow and realtor.com than nationalrealestate.com or garyashton.com now if you're local there's I have a definitely have a an awareness because to do a lot of advertising and marketing. But if you're coming from wherever, you're more likely to go to Zillow. Or you might just go to Zillow straight away. Definitely. Yeah,
0: I just Googled it and there's like lux.estate is the first thing that comes up.
1: That's probably that's probably an ad word though, right? Does it say ad next to we it? Have, yeah, ad. Yep. Does that not so, count? Oh, uh, yeah. That, I mean, that's how people are generating leads. And then if, if you go below the ads, so that's the organics the, the SERPs.
0: Zillow.com is the first organic one then.
1: Yeah. Is Realtor.com number two? Yep.
0: Realtor.com is number two. Redfin.com is number three.
1: Yep. So those are the big three. So so that those are like the vanity keywords. So I think, it, did you do homes for sale in Nashville? Yep. So hopefully I'm, my site is probably five or six. So that's the vanity keywords. We do better on what's called the long tail. So, if you're actually searching for something like Laurel Brook Homes for sale, which is a subdivision, then I think or oh, West Haven Homes for sale in Franklin, TN, then we're number one. So, it's, gotcha. uh, so we do better on the long tail. So that's our biggest source of business. Gotcha. That's
0: but, very impressive to be on but top. Of branding business.
1: Zillow is better than mine because they've got more money and realtor.com and homes.com. So there's like big sites. So I'm still like That's the 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 Goliath. Yeah, we're still um, with yep. a little guy, essentially.
0: You're making it. You're making your way up there, though. You know, you're getting there. But you guys are still massive, though. So at the same time, it's like, hard to yeah.
1: So, I mean, to toop our own home, we just did just crossed a billion dollars worth of sales in Nashville this year, so that's the first time we've ever done that. Last year, we were like 860 million. This year, we just, we just crossed the billion dollar figure, so we'll probably end up at 1.1, (laughs) 1.2 billion, which is, um, I'm quite pleased, actually. (laughs) (laughs) For one city, because there's, there's a lot of big teams out there, but they tend to be the whole state or multiple cities around the US. We're just in one city, so it makes it yeah, that much more impressive. Or the fact that I didn't expand and do what they did, but I just yeah. focused on Nashville.
0: So you guys pretty much run Nashville. That's what I'm hearing. <laughs> uh,
1: no, because well, it's, as a team, yes. There's other obviously other companies that are pretty big as well. So, yeah. but yeah, we 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 do pretty well. Yeah.
0: So obviously, like you guys, are obviously the number one Remax team in the world. In the, the world, which yes. is crazy to think how impressive that is you also have over 185 agents so in your opinion like what do you think has been the main contributing factors led to your success that's obviously helped you grow into this huge amazing team
1: so that goes back to that whole luck vision and money so i think i was lucky to start when i did um i think i had some vision of what i wanted to do and then i had some money to be able to help with that vision, and then I had some luck along the way. Um, and just, I'm, I'm a, I like shiny objects, and I like new technology, and I like to be an early adopter. So a lot of things that we're doing, we were the, generally the first one to do it in the area or, or um, like the first website I got, I think I spent $5,000 on that. And at the time, a lot, so this is in 2000 and 2001. So people thought I was crazy because $5,000 back then was probably, I don't know, just seemed a lot more. Right. So you had to have the vision to, to realize that if you invested that money, that would actually help you uh, generate more money. So, um, that enabled me to raise my profile i spent money on search engine optimization i spent money on um, on pay-per-click and so the people that own nashville.com saw that i was uh, doing pay-per-click i was always number one so then they offered me the rights for their site which was uh, like two grand a month at the time which seemed ridiculously expensive but i went from doing two or three leads a day just for me, and then it ended up being more like 20 to 25 leads a day. Wow. So that's how I ended up starting the team because then I need I realized that if you can take all these leads, if you if you view it like a I've said this before, but if you view it like a a tennis ball machine, you know, when you're practicing tennis and it keeps shooting out the balls, if if those are if those represent a lead, each time the tennis ball files one out, you know, you can catch it. And then you put it in your arm, let me put this down here so you can see what I'm talking about. So you catch it, you put it in your arm, catch the next one, put that one in your arm. These are all good leads, right? Yeah. Once you get to about 10 or 15, you can keep catching the new one, but the old one, you're going to put it in here, and then the 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 one you got like five minutes ago is going to fall through to the floor. You're going to miss it because you, you're because you so focused on the new one, and then putting it, oh, new one oh oh new one. You keep... Keep putting it, cradling it in your arm. But once you get too many, then they start falling through the cracks. Essentially, so that's when I realized I need to. Uh, hey, Will, do you want to lead? You, you want? Hey, I'll catch it and then throw it to you because it's all about the speed to lead and how quickly you respond to that person. Because you don't want to take that lead. Somebody's inquiring about properties in Nashville. You don't want to respond three days later because at that point that person's. Found somebody else, or the whole motivation has changed. You need to get them while while the mind is open to because yeah. you want they want information. So once they find out that you're the person that can give them that information, they become pretty you know receptive to talking to you. Because initially they're usually like, "Whoa, that's a I didn't expect anybody to call me quite so quick." Um, but usually, once they figure out that you actually have the answers. To the questions that they had, they end up warming up to you, and um, by the end of the conversation, they usually, oh, thank you for calling. So glad you called. This has been great because they want it. They want information about not just the house, but about the community, about the area, about the drive times. You know, is, is there information about shopping, golf courses? Is there a dog park? Is there you know all that kind of stuff that that's why the realtor still is, is valuable is because of their local knowledge. And then they can, they act as a gatekeeper to be able to um, maybe help them with a moving company, or, you know, mortgage companies, all of that good stuff. Gotcha.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's like rule number one of like sales and like real estate agents too. Like you got to be very communicative and you got to respond fast. So yep, obviously that's helped you guys' a success. Yeah, I'm kind of curious, like just overlooking what you've done so far, like did you ever think that your team would grow into what it has today when you're first starting out?
1: No, no, no. I mean, for me, it was just like if I could get, I think I started off with me, then I realized once I was getting those extra leads, I got a couple of extra agents on, in the brokerage um, that I was in. And I, I asked them if they wanted leads, and then I realized that if I give these leads away, I don't really have any control over them um, to be able to check and see what they're doing. So that's how the team started. So, excuse me, started with two agents and then just grew and grew. And I uh, was always interested in getting more and more leads. So if you get more and more leads, then you get more and more agents. And then it, it snowballs because now you've got more money to reinvest back into business, better better website, better search engine optimization. Um And then it snowballs, right, because once, once you develop a reputation, within the within Remax or in just the real estate network, if, if you become known as the guy in Nashville, you know, because we've, we've been the official realtors for the Titans for since 2012, I think. So it's quite a while, you know, so you start to become associated with the city. So whenever I go to a real estate conference, like I'll wear this, wait, I don't know if you can see, i got the, i got the predators look at that credit sign or a, or a Titan shirt. So that by default, people will come up and say, Hey Titans, you guys are doing good. And, and then that leads to the conversation of, you know, why am I wearing a Titan shirt at a conference? Well, I'm from Nashville. So then that links me to that city. And, uh, you know, if I get on well with that person, then next, if they have somebody to refer, then hopefully I'm top of mind. Right.
0: And so I'm kind of curious, like, how do you actually became become the official real estate team of like Titans or like the Predators? Like, how does that happen?
1: Um, so that was a simple story. So back, in, so back in 2007, I think it was, the Titans were looking for a new general manager and the wife of Mike Reinfeld, because Mike was up in Seattle and he was the assistant general manager to the Seahawks. So... I think he just came home and said, hey, I think may have an opportunity here to uh, interview for the job with the Titans. And and I'm sure his wife said, oh, that's great. Where's this, you know, Nashville. So then she just went online. Um, She didn't use Google. She used Yahoo. I remember asking her how she found us. And so she typed in Nashville Real Estate or Nashville Homes Sale, I can't remember. And then um, eventually came to my site requested some more information put her phone number in i called her straight away i got on great with her on the phone she wanted to do more information about school systems so i sent her all that information sent her the links to the school systems and um, then she was looking at two and a half to three million dollar homes so so i was still selling actually selling homes and so i said oh well I'll, I'll take that one and so i, I just went out and and um If she liked a home, I would go get more information about it. I would actually go take additional pictures, kind of instead of just giving the the perfect view of the house, I would try and find other angles and maybe some imperfections and kind of give my feedback of why this is a great house or there's, you know, you might want to be, give this one a little bit of an extra thought because of this, this, and this. And I would take pictures. And so she liked all the extra work that I was doing for him which is a big sale, so therefore you should be doing extra work. So, and then Mike came down and met him, got on great with him. And then he ended up getting the job. But at the time, another real estate company had, had signed, probably only a couple of months earlier, had signed to become the official real estate team of the Titans, uh, real estate team. So he said, look, we'll have to wait until that contract expires and then about 3 years later i think it was or more because maybe it was a five year contract anyway so that contract expired so then he was getting fired because or you know the, the the nfl is all about firing somebody if the team doesn't go well it's usually the head coach or the general manager it's kind of like a sca- you know scapegoat because nfl stands for not for long and everybody in the business knows that if you get fired, that's it. That's not the end of your career. You usually go on and do something at another city or in another level. So anyway, so when Mike was leaving, that's when we got – I think he did me a favor and made sure that I got in to be the official real estate team. And that was ah, 2011, 12. I think it was 11. can't remember. It was a while ago anyway. And then the Predators – they asked me about three years ago and said, would I be interested in, cause they had, there was another realtor that was doing it. I guess they approached me and said, would I be interested in doing it? So I said, yes. So we've been the official real estate team of the predators. So I keep forgetting about COVID, but, uh, two and a half years now. That's yeah. Do
0: you get like free season tickets? Is that mm-hmm. contract? Yeah.
1: No. Cause it's really good. what you are is you, you're sponsoring. So you, Right, right, You're sponsoring, so you're paying to be the sponsor. Part of that includes a ticket package. Nice. Um, so like with the Titans, yeah, I got I have tickets, but they're not free because I pay for them. Wow. The yeah,
0: right. Well, this year they could go to the Super Bowl, so it could be a good year.
1: Yeah, you
0: never know. I'm hoping <laughs> very impressive. Um, I don't want to take too much of your time, but I just have a couple more questions. Um, so first off, like obviously you've achieved so much success over your career and just what you've done with the real estate team, starting from nothing all by yourself but going into what it is today. It's just. Stupid.
1: Well, no, no, because you have to remember, I started it, but then it's all about the people that you bring on. So there's people doing stuff and um, adding to the value, creating systems. Um, that are nothing to do with me. I mean, some of the stuff that we do now internally, no, i couldn't do but we got right at the end of the day you need to surround yourself with people who are smarter than you essentially gotcha so yeah what... yeah
0: um well anyway like in, in life in general you start like lower middle class like you said in britain growing mm-hmm. up and then obviously you came here grew your grew your team successfully into what it is today yeah. so i'm just curious like overlooking it all like what would you say is the number one factor that's helped you achieve this this much success obviously there's so many people out there that want to be top entrepreneurs, top CEOs, I and mean, they all struggle trying to do it. You know what I mean? So what would you say is the number one factor? Well,
1: as much as I don't like the fact that Gary Vanachuk drops the F-bomb every 30 seconds, I do believe everything that, that he says is pretty relevant, that you have to keep working and grit and determination, resilience, don't give up, keep going, and that whole thing with luck, vision, and money. If you keep working at something, you'll probably do well. And then at some point you'll get some luck and then you have to reinvest back into what you've created. And I think that's, um, most people will say, it comes down to um, hard work, a bit of vision, a bit of money. So, gotcha. it. I, I, mean, I mean, you also have to have some brains because I'm not stupid, but I'm not the smartest person in the world um same thing with music you know if I, I was not the best drummer in the world but i was pretty good but i happened to be in a band where the singer was really good and the songwriter was really really good so the combination of those three things meant that i elevated my position in the music world and then all of a sudden i took away the good singer and took away the good songwriter and now i'm just a drummer who's actually not bad but not great and then all of a sudden Realized I'm not as good as I thought I was. So now, because of all these other people in Nashville, really, really good. So right. I don't know. You, you just got to create, work hard, have an open mind, and be reinvesting back in your business. I, I think that's what I did. Gotcha. And so yeah. you have an open mind for like new stuff that's coming along. Be the be the early adopter. And sometimes you make mistakes. I think I'm sure you've heard. Other people say, I did this, and uh, it was a mistake. But that mistake opened some of the doors and led you to learn other systems or meet new people, and which then led you to do something else. So that's happened a few times.
0: Right. I love that. Pretty much don't overcomplicate it. Just take risk, calculate risk, and work hard. you know will happen. Yeah. I love that. You probably get
1: people saying that I've worked hard and I spent all this money and I still not successful. Well, that's where the luck comes in. Yeah.
0: And also, how long have you been in real estate? From so when you first got your license to now? Yeah. I got my
1: license in March of 2001, so 20 years now.
0: Wow. That's another thing I think that's so crucial because I don't think a lot of people stay, you know, in their industry trying to become the best for 20 some years. You know what I mean? I feel like some people kind of do it for one or two years and then find out how hard it is and quit. And never see the fruits of their labor
1: after so much time. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, so, it's, um, I mean, it takes time. So you can't just, that's another thing that Gary, Gary Vannichuk says you can't just be, become the CEO of a multi million dollar company overnight. You got to work and you got to invest some time and, and build your way up to that. And um, so I do, I do believe that. I do believe what Gary says is, is uh, yeah, it's work, hard right. work, and then, like you said, staying at it, not just giving up after six months. You know, we do billboard campaigns. You can't, you can't just put a billboard up for two weeks and then expect all this business to to be generated from it. You've got to have it. It's a long-term campaign, so you need it up there for a year or two years because, you might not be thinking about buying or selling a house driving up and down, but subliminally become aware of that over a period of time. And then when you do think about buying or selling your home, you see the billboard, you hear the radio, then you look online and you go, Oh, there's that guy. There's that guy. So it's just creating that awareness. so it's a long-term investment, I think. I love that. I wonder how many people actually quit, you know, before they get to that
0: long-term moment where they could have been successful. That's always interesting to me. Um, yeah, yeah, there's a
1: bunch. That. I mean, every business, music, the same way, you know. Right. But real estate. When I was when I was doing when I started real estate, I started real estate with a guy that was, um, he was older than me. He was a, some kind of executive, an in insurance executive or something. And so he was trying real estate, and he was super smart, super personal, really good at, at real estate. But then he he gave up. Because he had to, because he wasn't making any money. Because, you know, you've got to keep and invest in it and and, uh, the returns come. And he couldn't stay in long enough to get the returns. Which is why the team, for us, is the way, way to for new agents to instantly come into an environment where instead of spending six months learning about the business, we compress all that and then give them opportunities as soon as they've gone through our our boot camp, which is which is three weeks long, I think, two and a half to three weeks long. But once you come out of the other side and you've, and you've kind of learned some of our systems, which is still an ongoing process, but we're giving you people that actually want to go see a home, that actually want to talk to a realtor. So like I said, that compresses that, that real estate um, career of two or three years into maybe six months.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, that's crucial. Um, I know you're busy, so I just have one more question for you. Um, kind of looking at the future, what are some of your big goals that you want to get accomplished in the next one or two years or five years or whatever you want to talk about?
1: Um, actually, I was talking to somebody today about this, is that the fact that we did a billion this year, um, if we can do an, a billion again next year, I'll be happy. Because there's this combinations, you know, we have the systems in place, we're doing the marketing, but there's some outside factors that, Contribute to our success, right? and that is um, some of those things you can't control, like COVID. Who'd who have thought two years ago that COVID would actually um, lead to all this growth in real estate sales? You know, with the low interest rates, people being able to work remotely now, and people moving to states like Tennessee where it's a no state income tax, so we've attracted a lot of people. Moving from California, from New York, so all these people coming in, so there's a massive influx of people, um, which has really helped. So uh, it's kind of like a false positive in a way. And okay. uh, can will will we be able to repeat that next year? I don't know. Like every year, I I see the figures and I go, good grief how how are we going to do another 850 million? And then each year we seem to do a little better. Um, and then hopefully, you know, if we do another billion next year, then that'd be fantastic, you know, and then staying in the number one real estate team with Remax. That's cool. Um, but I, I think our vision is just to keep staying ahead of the curve, making sure that we, it sounds like a cliche, but we always want to offer the best possible service for our clients, because if we do a good, with, good job with our clients, then you develop re- repeat business. So the hardest client to get is the first one that hopefully if you keep investing and keep chatting, staying in contact, that person then becomes a referral source because they had such a good experience. And then when they think about moving in three to five years, hopefully they come back to, you know, use us, right. which is why we do the the billboards and the radio because it keeps us. Top of uh, mind. Yeah, top of mind, and, you, you know, you're aware of it, you know. <clears throat>
0: yeah, that's very cool. And I'm sure, like, who would have thought your COVID year would have been your most successful year so far? That's that's crazy to me how some people did really well during the whole COVID year and some people did not do well. Yes. I think the ones that adapt and take advantage of the new stuff that's out there are the ones that did well, just like what you guys sure. are doing.
1: And it's always a little bit of a, you know, you don't want to be too boastful about it because you know that people have lost their lives, people lost their jobs. Right. So you don't want to be gloating too much because there's always somebody out there that's maybe going, good grief. Shut up about your billion dollars. I lost my job. But on the other hand, we did do a billion dollars, so that's pretty cool. Yeah.
0: Should be able to brag about that, I guess. Just a little. Just a little bit. (laughs) Um, Before we hop off, is there anything else you would like to say? And if people want to reach out to you and your team, how can they find you guys?
1: Um, So the easiest way... Depends on how old you are, really. I suppose so. Either on Instagram, it's Gary or if you using, uh, just go to the website. That's GaryAshton.com, or you can just Google. If you Google Gary Ashton, I pretty much have the top ten placements who are usually somehow associated with me. Awesome. All right, guys. they have- me on Instagram. I need to get hundred twenty thousand followers and we I think we're 110 ten.
0: Hundred and only 110 will you need to help
1: me out on that <laughs>
0: I'll do some marketing for you after this there podcast drops <laughs> all right guys there you have it Gary Ashton thank you so much for joining me today no hey, we go a
1: nothing
0: we one and if we we